The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Hull Foundation Presents. Today, um, we have Tara. I'm sorry, say your last name for me, please, so I don't butcher it. Radowski. Radowski. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, she is from the Northwest uh, Association of Blind Athletes, and she's going to tell us all about what that is like and involves and what they do, etc. cetera. Um, Marja Byers, who is a sight loss instructor at Hull Foundation, is going to be our facilitator. And I'm Teresa Christian, also a sight loss instructor. And I'm your, what we call a moderator. Go for it, Marja. Thank you, Teresa. And actually, you gave a very good summary of what we're talking about today. Um, Tara's going to let us know a little bit about how Northwest Association of Blind Athletes came into being. Uh, what population do they serve? Where do those folks live? What kind of uh, activities do they offer up? They've got a lot of stuff going on. And Tara, I'm going to let you take it away. And um, if you have questions for Tara, she's going to talk primarily about the program initially. And we'll take about 20 minutes for questions. Please raise your hand if you've got questions for Tara. Um, if you have questions along the way, feel free to raise your hand. And we'll, we'll try and get you called out so you can ask the question as we're having our discussion. So, Tara, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you to the Health Foundation and ACB for allowing uh, Northwest Association to be on this call. Um, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give a little bit of introduction about myself. I'll talk about how NWABA came to be and then um, break down what we're doing now and what we hope to do in the future. So, uh, again, my name is Tara Rogowski. I am originally from New Hampshire, and um, I now live in Washington State in Vancouver, Washington. Um, my personal background, I got my bachelor's degree in physical education in Massachusetts. So I'm a certified teacher in Massachusetts. And then when I was finishing up my teaching degree, I realized that I wasn't teaching to everyone in the class as effectively as I wanted to. I wanted to truly teach to all, um, not just to the majority. So upon graduation, I decided that I would like to go to get my master's degree, and that was going to be in adapted physical education. I ended up going to a school in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin in La Crosse, and they actually had the opportunity for me to do two different um, programs within my master's degree. So I did adapted physical education and outdoor adventure education. And while I was there, I was teaching physical education classes and I had quite a few students who were blind or visually impaired. And so that really introduced me to the blind and visually impaired community and got me excited and thinking how I could do better and just learn more. I consider myself a lifelong learner. 
And in that, um, I found that I would find a great fit for myself at the Northwest Association for Blind Athletes. So upon getting my master's degree, I moved out to Washington and the rest is history. (laughs) So um, now at Northwest Association for Blind Athletes, I am a programs coordinator. Uh, I started out as a programs coordinator for the Puget Sound area in Washington. So that includes Seattle and Tacoma and areas around those two cities. And uh, my position now has grown into also leading our virtual programs. So I'll talk a little bit about how we got to virtual programs. Um, First off, our mission at Northwest Association for Blind Athletes is to provide life-changing opportunities through sports and physical activity to individuals who are blind and visually impaired. Uh, One thing that I need to say first and foremost is that all of our programs are at no cost to the athletes or the participants that come. And I want to say that first and foremost, so that that's upfront, there is no cost expected. We want to make sure that we're providing opportunities and making them as accessible to people as we can. So another piece of um, sometimes people get a little hesitant or reluctant to join because of the word athlete. Uh, We here at NWABA believe that if you have a body, you are an athlete. So the word athlete is not meant to scare people away, but it's meant to empower people to reach their full potential. So that's a little bit about uh, NWABA and about myself. So NWABA came about in 2007. Our CEO, Billy Henry, um, he wanted to uh, power lift with his friends. He wanted more opportunities to be physically active in the community. And so he, he says he borrowed 20 bucks for a friend, took the late bus and founded NWABA. Um, and in that it has grown into something so much more. So it started with seven of his or six of his closest friends. So there were seven of them and they competed in powerlifting competitions. They had spaghetti dinners and, um, the, his basement and, um, it's built into what it is today. So we have two offices. One of those offices is in Vancouver, Washington, and the other office is in Boise, Idaho. And we do in-person and virtual programming. So in-person, we do events in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. And then virtual, of course, is as widespread as virtual can be. So anyone is welcome to join us in virtual programs. Uh, As far as in-person programs, we have sports outreach events, which are events that we do regularly. I would call it like weekend programming. So that's tandem biking, that's hiking, snowshoeing, swimming in those four states. We also host different sessions of camp. Our camp is called Camp Spark. Uh, And then... We also have a sports adaptations program that we have in those four areas as well, and that is providing uh, adaptive sports equipment to people who uh, want to be included in PE classes, such as having a soccer ball that makes noises or beepers or something that's high contrast, or that equipment can be used for community events as well. 
Uh, I'm gonna talk mostly about our virtual programs because we, I know that this is a very widespread uh, group. So for our virtual programs, we ended up starting them, you know, as, as most of us did uh, in the heart of the pandemic. We were unable to provide in-person programs, so we wanted to know how we could still reach people and build community and connect with people um, in a way, and that way was going to be virtual. So we started virtual programs in 2020, and in those virtual programs, we've grown to, we now have one virtual program every day from Monday to Friday. So we do five days a week. They are hosted on Zoom. The only space that people need to participate is the distance or the length of a yoga mat. So we, you don't have to have a yoga mat required, but it, I would recommend it just because it helps um, mark off the space. And it, if we're doing any exercises on the floor, it's just a little bit more comfortable but there's no equipment necessary. So with that, uh, I'm gonna talk about what to expect at a virtual workout. I'll talk a little bit about each of our virtual programs and um, a milestone program that we have within our virtual programs. So uh, what to expect in our virtual programs is, Right now, they are currently all hosted at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and we are soon hoping to add sessions at 3 p.m. Pacific time to add a little bit of variety for people's schedules. Uh, you'll log on on the hour, and then once people log on, there's some introductions, there's chatting. Um, we, When we do introductions, we call on people to just share something. I usually share something exciting so that people have the opportunity to connect. Uh, and that has done wonders. Uh, a lot of our regular participants have built a community and they're good friends and they chat outside of class, which is really nice. Um, and then after those first few minutes, we get started on our workout. So we do a warm up uh, with description. So all of our one important thing that I neglected to mention is all of our workouts are high contrast and audio described. So uh, what you have an instructor, they in, they do the workout with white background and white flooring, and they're wearing dark clothing. And then we also audio describe every movement. So whether we're doing a push-up or a squat or we're doing a yoga flow, every uh, every single movement is audio described so that people can follow along. Uh, after we do the workout or with the exception of our yoga sessions, we do another uh, cool down. And when we do the cool down, we'll kind of chat about what's next on the schedule. Uh, right now, our current schedule is on Mondays, we have a core stability class. So I would say our core stability class is more of a Pilates-centered class. So Pilates is a lot of using your body weight resistance and a lot of core uh, strengthening. So lots of focusing on the core. You're doing lots of different exercises, but the main point of Pilates is that you're engaging your core while you're doing all of those different exercises. 
And Pilates is similar in yoga in the sense that it's more of a flow. So you're moving from movement to movement to movement while you go through the class. Uh, Tuesdays are circuit workouts. So this is more of your full body workout. We have a few different circuits. We'll usually get to four circuits during the, the hour and each circuit has about four exercises in it. And within those circuits, um, depending on how the instructor wants to break it up for that day, we'll have an upper body circuit, a lower body circuit, maybe a core circuit, maybe a cardio circuit in there. And usually the circuit workouts really just making sure you hit all the different parts of your body, strengthening your full body. Uh, and that one starts with a warm up and ends with a cool down as well. For the circuit workouts, uh, how we uh, run those is we do uh, audio describe each of the movements before we get into the circuit. And we, of course, allow for time for questions in between. Um, I would say that's one of the strengths of our live classes is there's space to ask those questions for clarification if they're needed. Um, and then there's also the strength of, you know, when people are regularly attending, if everyone knows what a specific exercise is, you know, we have that space to say, does anyone have questions about this? But if no one does, then we can move on. So the uh, next class we have is Wednesdays is Zumba. Uh, I would say it's called Zumba because that's um, a keyword that a lot of people know, but I would say it's more of a dance fitness based class. Um, Zumba, I actually personally teach our Zumba class most days. Um, so we'll start with a warm up um, that's audio described. And then what we do is we have three different sequences of moves. So we'll go over the first sequence of moves. So that's probably four different dance and exercise based moves. We'll teach them, we'll learn them, and then we'll jump right in and we're going to play a song. And then when we play the song, I am mic'd up and I will call out every move that we switch to and when we switch to it. Uh, and so that we're all moving in sync with each other. The biggest thing I say with dance fitness classes is to make it your own and um, have fun with it a little bit. Uh, I love to add my own little flair to the moves and I encourage other people to do so as well. And then sometimes we slip up and we forget moves and you just, as long as you're moving and having fun, uh, I, I would say Zumba is one of, one of the really fun classes that we do. Um, after, you know, there's, I did say there's three different sequences. So the first three songs, you know, are concentrated on learning those moves for those sequences. But after those three sequences are over, we do repeat those sequences for the rest of the class. So, um, after we do the third sequence and listen to the third song, we'll go back to the first sequence, but we'll play a different song. So we know the moves, we can practice them and work on mastering them towards the end of the class. Um, and usually we'll get about 10 to 12 songs in when we do our hour of Zumba. Uh, the next class I'll talk about is Thursday's cardio class. Our cardio class has, um, uh, it's another class that has a flow. So, uh, you're constantly moving. If it does have a circuit feel, um, what we'll do is 
while we are describing something or just to keep your heart rate up, we'll ask that you keep moving. So maybe while someone is describing how to do a jumping jack, everyone else is marching their feet um, to keep their heart rates up in between the different exercises. Uh, and you'll go through the flow as um, continually as possible until you get to that cool down. Uh, cardio is definitely meant to get your heart rates up and uh, that one's a lot of fun as well. Then um, uh, one thing I neglected to say, I did say we play music in Zumba classes, but we do also play music in our other classes as well because we find that keeping the beat with music gets more motivating and gets people excited and um, I guess motivated and amped up, fired up, ready to go. So that's one of the feedback that we got that people liked music. So we've added more. Um, and then Fridays, we have a class called balancing control slash yoga. So uh, originally, this class was focused on improving balance and coordination. Um, but since we added the core stability class that um, sort of does that as well, we actually have one of our athletes who is a certified yoga instructor. Um, she actually leads this class most days, um, but we have, sometimes we'll have substitute instructors as well. Um, so she'll lead us through a yoga flow and she does a great job. I would say it's a gentle yoga flow. You're still up and moving, um, but you feel refreshed at the end. Uh, so that is our Friday class. And then we are soon to add more sessions as well. And we are all um, an athlete-centered uh, organization. So when people have feedback or what they want um, to see on the schedule, then that's kind of how we make the determination of which classes to add. So that's how the course stability class and the cardio class were added as people requested those. So we are hoping to add more. Um, and then with our virtual programs, uh, we also have a milestone program. So this is something that's really exciting. We had just implemented it in July. So the milestone program is a program where we count your classes. So every class that you count or every class that you take counts towards your milestone program class. So after different milestones, you'll get different rewards or prizes, um, to celebrate you reaching a new fitness milestone. So the first milestone is 100 classes. And after 100 classes, you'll get a little note and a surprise treat. <laughs> um, and that's something that's really fun. And people have kind of, you can get competitive with yourself and help hold yourself accountable with the milestone program. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is our YouTube channel. So we know that not everyone can attend our virtual workouts at the times that we do host them. So we do have also a list of workouts on our YouTube channel. So on our YouTube channel, we have two different types of workouts. So we have one type that is audio described for people who do not regularly attend our live virtual workouts. So these classes are 
fully audio described. They're high contrast. They're very, very descriptive. And then we have the other set, which is for people that regularly participate with us. Um, those That set of videos is a little bit faster paced. Um, those are recordings from our live sessions so that if athletes that regularly participate, maybe on a Thursday, they have to miss a Thursday, they can go on to YouTube and they can uh, preview or do that workout that they missed. Um, so with that, that is our YouTube channel. We also have um, started implementing how-to videos. So we find that a lot of people wanted to pre-learn the, the exercises or just wanted to learn what exercises are in general, how to do them with proper form. So we have how-to videos on YouTube and each video is a separate exercise. So there's like a video on how to do a push-up, how to do a plank, how to do a sit-up, um, lots of different exercises. Um, that being said, if people have any specific exercises that they want to learn that are not on there, please feel free to let us know. Um, right now, I think we have 60 how-to videos currently. So, um, and that is consistently growing each week. Um, and now I will go into how to register. So hey, oh, Marja, uh, before we go any further, I just wanted to ask folks, do you have any questions so far? If you do, please raise your hand and uh, we can address a few questions if people have got them before we move on to our next segment of information. Diane, are you seeing any hands? No, ma'am, I'm not. Okay, Jar, go for it. All right. So uh, that is a lot of information about our virtual programs. And um, the step to complete to participate is to just register as an athlete with NWABA. There's a form on our website to register as an athlete. And then we also have a fillable PDF form that we can send people if that's best way to access it. And if neither of those work, we're always happy to do the form over the phone as well. After you do the form, uh, there is a 15 minute short recorded orientation that you can listen to on your own time. And that orientation just tells you what to expect when you're attending a virtual program. And then after that, you are ready to go. So the way to register, um, there's no high tech, um, issues involved. It's just um, you can email, text, or call us to register. We typically do a month-to-month -month type of thing. So a lot of people say, oh, sign me up for every day or sign me up for Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the month of September. And then when the next month comes along, they'll decide what works best for their schedule. Um, so uh, that is how to register. When you do register, you get an email with our virtual etiquette. So this tells you the quick keys, how to access the Zoom meetings, any information that you need to be success successful in the workout. And then the day before each workout, you'll get an email. And that email will consist of what the workout is, who is leading the workout, and the link to connect. The link to connect always stays the same so that if people... Um, just want to save the link in a special spot, then that's easier for them that they can do that. Uh, and I would say that is just about everything that I have 
written down about our virtual programs. So uh, I guess we can wrap it up here and answer any questions about uh, either virtual programs or in person or any questions in general that people have. Well, Tara, this is Marge again. And while people are thinking about questions that they may have, do you want to talk about what type of in-person activities are available? Some people are kind of surprised. At yeah. The yeah. So our in-person programs are available to all ages. Uh, we have a variety of different activities and they change depending on the season of the year. So uh, in the summertime, we'll do kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, lots of tandem biking, hiking. Um, and as long as it's nice out, we'll continue tandem biking and hiking. And then when we have to go indoors in the winter or when we want to stay outdoors, um, we do some snowshoeing, swimming in specific areas. In Oregon, we also do downhill skiing. Uh, and we just and we also do um, goalball clinics, uh, introdu introductory events for goalball. And then we have events specific for youth and we have events specific for adults as well. And um, we do we have different growth areas and we do four events in each growth area per month. So those growth areas are the Puget Sound area in Washington, which is Seattle Tacoma area. We have the Southern Willamette Valley in Oregon, which is the Eugene and Salem area, Corvallis included. And then we also have Boise, Idaho, and then the Portland and Vancouver area in on the border of Southwest Washington and Oregon. And then we also do uh, events once a month in Montana. So Tara, Marja again, another question. What what age ranges are your athletes? Youngest, uh, oldest? Yeah. Um, that is a tricky question. <laughs> um, we have athletes. Uh, we have babies join us for swimming. Um, so really from birth. Uh, and then uh, we don't turn anyone away due to age. So we have some people who are in their 80s. I actually believe 90s that attend our events regularly as well. So we really meet people where they're at. And um, one thing that's unique about our programs is we do have a one-to-one -one pairing. So if we're on a hike, each athlete is paired with a guide. And because we have that one-to-one -one pairing, you know, we can really cater the event to what that individual needs. And um, everyone can kind of go at their own paces and learn what they specifically need to learn and meet individual goals that way. Very cool. What kind of offerings do you do that um, are in conjunction with another organization, nonprofit school? Because don't you participate in the Easter egg hunt in Vancouver? Mm -hmm. Yep. The, so we help facilitate the Easter egg hunt at the Washington School for the Blind. Um, we actually also um, partnered with the Washington Council for the Blind to do the um, Easter egg hunt in Everett, Washington this past year. Uh, we do a lot of events with the Montana School for the Deaf and Blind. Um, we are at the Idaho School for the Deaf and Blind quite often. Um, and uh, we're starting 
to, you know, branch out and do a little bit more as our team grows. We have more capacity to partner more. So that's something that we're going to be doing a lot more with other organizations in the future. Very cool. Any questions? Questions or life experience? Has anybody done anything with Northwest Association of Blind Athletes? I, I have to admit, Tara, I kind of wanted to go on a tandem bike ride last summer, but when I heard that we were predicted to get temperatures at 109, I thought, eh, maybe not this time. <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, don't do programs outside over 100 degrees. <laughs> and we do have three raised hands. Okay, thanks. First is, uh, first is Lauren Berger. Hi, can you hear me? I'm 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 on yep. yep. I'm really interested in this uh, uh, the virtual uh, remote uh, sessions, and I'm and I've seen it on YouTube, and it's really good. Um, I've really done some of the classes on YouTube, but I want to know about how I, how to do a virtual workout, how to register. Do I go on on, on site and go register online? Yeah. Yeah. There's a registration form online that you can do, or if you email us, you can also um, get a fillable PDF version or do it over the phone. And as soon as you do that, then we'll have your contact information to send you out the, the quick orientation video and you can get signed up right away for virtual programs. That's great, because I'm interested in Zumba and the cardio classes. Those are I'm really interested in. Yeah, we will, well, we'd love to have you join us. That'd be really great. What, what times did, did you mention that they, they were 12? Well, I'm, I'm Eastern, so 3 uh, Eastern? Yep, it would be 3 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Okay, and, and uh, this is, okay, so I'll register online. That's great. Very good. Thank you. And Lauren, this, this is Marta, and I will do up some notes um, re in regards to this session, and you can contact the Hall Foundation office and get them emailed to you or printed if you need. So it'll give you some of the basic information as far as their website, um, information on getting registered, and just some of the general things that we're talking about today. So there's- Oh, that's great. That'd be really great. Thanks yeah, so you'll, much. You'll have more very, Thanks great. so much. That'd be very helpful. Thank great. you. Thank okay, you. Diane, who's next? Next is Teresa Christian. <laughs> I know you. Yeah, you do. Um, so I was wondering, Tara, if if somebody is not in the Western United States, is there a way they can participate? Uh, yeah, so online is for everybody. Right. Um, but we do have some athletes, actually. There's one that emailed us last week from Illinois. Um, and if you want to sign up for programs, as long as you get yourself out to us, you are more than welcome to participate. So we have one of our athletes in Illinois. He likes to come skiing. So he books a little vacation out this way when we do our skiing events and he comes skiing with us. Okay, nice. Thank you. Very cool. Okay, Diane, do we have another hand? Uh, no, we don't. No other questions? Oh, there's one, a caller now has a hand up. Oh, uh, yes, we do. All right. Yes, it's phone number 805 ending in 703. Oh, they lowered their hand. Mm. Yes. 
expected. So I don't know if that was intentional or not. (laughs) Well, if you still have a question, feel free to raise your hand. Uh, Tara, one of the things that I know comes up often when we've had the privilege in Salem to have folks from NWABA come talk to our support groups, um, probably three times, I think. And it always generates interest, which I think is absolutely wonderful. But one of the things that almost always comes up is transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So transportation, we try to provide transportation from uh, accessible or well-known locations that people would know their transportation routes. So in the cities that have either Department of Services for the Blind or Commissions for the Blind, usually that is a pickup location for our events. So we'll meet at that location at a designated time and then go to meet at the venue for the event. Um, Some athletes choose to do that. Some athletes choose to get to the venue on their own accord. Um, But in places that we don't have those, um, you know, hubs, we typically choose places that are off easier transportation routes. Um, So if the current uh, locations for pickup locations do not work. Um, we're always, you know, open to feedback on what does work best for people. And if you come to an in-person event, what kind of supplies are appropriate to take with you? Uh, so at our in-person events, I would say the best thing would be to wear uh, sturdy footwear, um, safe footwear, uh, bring a water bottle and then just a bag to put anything that you need. So a lot of people have a backpack to put their water bottle or their cane in when they go off to do uh, whatever the event is. Um, but as far as equipment, we do provide all of the equipment necessary. So whether that's the tandem bikes, life jackets, kayaks, all of those things are provided so that uh, you really do have to just come with, you know, I would say, One thing that is important, you know, when we do outdoor activities in the winter is to wear suitable clothing for the outdoors just so that no one gets any frostbite or cold or wet um, while we're out there. Um, And, you know, some people bring a change of clothes and said, like when we kayak, some people prefer not to wear a bathing suit, but they'll wear clothes and just bring an extra pair just in case. So as long as you're dressed safely for the event and you're covered from the elements. Um, that's all you need. And we provide all of the equipment for that. Well, and uh, Diane, do we have any raised hands at the moment? Wait. Yes, we do. Um, it's phone number 805 ending in 703. And if I can get your name also, I can rename you. Um, I'm sorry. California. I'm. Uh, you're. You're very. You're very low. California. You okay. What is your name? I'll just keep that in my name. Okay. Go ahead with your question. Give us a website. The we website. Sign up. Yeah. So our website is. N-W-A-B-A dot O-R-G. 
So NWAVA is a Northwest Association for Blind Athletes, and it's at a .org, O-R-G. And then I can give the email address as well. Um, the best email address to get in contact with us is it's programs team at nwaba.org, programs team at nwaba.org. Okay, we have no other raised hands. Okay, then Tara, I have another question. It just occurred to me that, I, and I hadn't thought about it before. I have a guide dog and I'm guessing most of the events, it's not going to be appropriate to take a dog unless it's a hike, a relatively simple hike. Is that, is my thinking correct? So uh, we don't turn guide dogs away, but there are some factors to take into account. So you're correct. Hikes works out great um, for tandem bikes. If people do bring their guide dogs, uh, we just uh, have extra volunteers come that day and they leave their guide dog with a volunteer who will then take direction for whether they go for a walk or if they stay put um, during the ride. Uh, we have actually never had any guide dogs come during kayaking events, but one of our um, employees does have a guide dog and the guide dog just hops right in the kayak. Um, <laughs> and then um, I would say as far as snowshoeing events, um, for snowshoeing events, we it's a little tricky because it changes your gait when you're walking. You walk a little bit wider um, and then the snow is obviously cold on paws, um, but we have had um, dog guide dogs come with little booties on. And then, you know, instead of holding onto their harness, they would just hold onto their leash. So they give a little bit more space so they have room to walk with their snowshoes on. Um, but essentially, you know, we, we make it work and we want to make it work at the best way possible. Um, some people's decision is to not take their guide dogs and some people is to, you know, come and use extra volunteers as resources or um, problem solve in other ways just to make sure that the dog is cared for and that, you know, that they have transportation, their method of transportation, whether that's guide dog or cane um, at the event to get to the event. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I have also been asked a couple of times from younger people, have they talk, taken on, have you taken on snowboarding yet? Uh, in Portland and Vancouver and in the Southern Willamette Valley area, there is skiing and snowboarding. Um, those are both options uh, when we do our winter sport events. So we always, yeah, yes, we do offer um, snowboarding. Uh, it's a little less popular among people who are picking and choosing, but we do definitely allow people to choose snowboarding if they'd like to, for sure. Well, and, and I met a couple of folks who were younger that were avid snowboarders, lost their sight, and it had been just flat out told, you can't do this anymore. Well, and we definitely I, believe that they can still do it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I like to ruin sighted people's opinions of what they think we can and cannot do and go, no, that's not really true. Yeah, if, no, if someone if wants a snowboard, we'll put them on one. <laughs> which I think is great. And Tara, I'll tell you, I, I had an experience a number of years ago when I was working with another um, nonprofit that works with folks with sight loss. And I'd had a lady who called, I got the message 
that her grandson was born blind and they were looking for resources to get a head start on his training. And I asked my office assistant, did she happen to mention how old her grandson is? No, nope, she didn't mention that. So I called her back and I explained who I was. I was returning her call. And I said, so how old is your grandson? And she said, he's five weeks old. And my initial thought was, oh, he's a brand new person. But all they could see, all mom and dad and grandma could see at that point is what they thought he would never be able to do. So I decided part of my job was to talk about what he will be able to do and got him in touch with the director for um, special education service districts in Oregon, because I wanted the parents to be able to go to, and I think it's in WABA sponsored the spring um, track and field event. The track meet. Yep. And I said, can you give me information that I can relate to this family? Because I thought how wonderful for parents to be, especially parents of a baby, to yeah. be around parents of older kids that know their kids are capable of a lot. They're, they're active, they're busy. And it was so funny because the response I got from the director of special education service district said, I don't think a goal ball match is really going to be very helpful for a five week old baby. And I thought you totally missed the point. It's, <laughs> it's the parents and the grandparents. And I said to the grandma at one point, because I told her there are a lot of adaptive sports. And I said, look, your grandson is going to be able to get just as injured as his sighted classmates playing sports. I've watched these guys play gold ball. I've been, you want to play gold ball with us? Mm-mm, no, thank you. I've watched you guys. No, I'm not interested. And when she told her daughter that her son would be able to play sports, just like any of his classmates that were sighted, she said her daughter burst into tears because it never occurred to her how capable her son would be. Yeah, it's all about the the community connection at those events as well. Definitely. When you do those events, what kind of a turnout do you get? It all depends. Um, it ebbs and flows. Uh, a couple of summers ago, you know, we had... Uh, in our regular weekend programming, we had waitlist, we had double, we double decorated events, we did extra events. Um, but uh, at regular weekend programs, um, I would say the average is around five people, uh, with the max being 10 people. And then at those big uh, community school events, like the track meet, we have like hundreds of people coming. So wow. Yeah, it depends on the type of the event. Hey, we do have a raised hand. Okay. Uh, Melinda. Hi, Melinda. You can unmute. Uh, audio now unmuted. I didn't want to make the same mistake I made in, uh, <laughs> in the uh, morning uh, group. Uh, the morning by talking while muted, darn it. <laughs> um, uh, this has been... Uh, very interesting to me because uh, my parents, when they had their uh, travel business, did the uh, travel, a lot of the travel for the uh, National uh, Association uh, 
for blind athletes. So this has been very interesting. Good, glad I'm glad. I'm glad that there's new information. Now I am pretty sure that there are people on this call today, and I'm hoping that they will unmute and talk about their own experience with adaptive sports. So if there's anyone who's participated in adaptive sports along the way, I'd love to be able to get your, your take on what your experiences are. I have no raised hands. Okay, everybody's gonna be, you're mighty quiet. I'm trying to think. Uh, we do have Melinda back. Okay, Melinda, go ahead. Oh, I used to, uh, I live here in Colorado Springs with my uh, parents, and uh, and um, I uh, participated in a ski event at one point um, several years ago. I don't remember how many years ago now it's been, but. It's been quite a while, but uh, uh, the funny the funny thing about that is, is that we had my uh, service dog Ava at the time, and uh, she of course went with us on the uh, up of Cheap Record Ridge uh, on the ski trip, and uh, let's just say that uh, when uh, they tried, they were. Uh, Hooking me up onto the uh, ski, uh, she uh, literally jumped on the ski and uh, sat there and said, "Oh no, mommy, you're not going without me." <laughs> she did not want me to leave her. Oh, that's funny. My uh, parents had to buy her with a treat <laughs> to get her off the ski so I could go skiing with my guide. And I was so scared, but then I got used to it. So I went uh, skiing a second time after lunch. I'm going, oh boy, really, Ava? <laughs> she did not want me to go. And she did not want, want me to leave her. <laughs> so anyway, right, I'll see you all later. Thanks, Melinda. I appreciate your input. Yeah, I, I think that, well, I, I know that the Hall Park hosted two retreats over the last part of August. One was a moderate adventure retreat and one was a high adventure retreat. They did, a, basically they did the same activities, but it was a skill level challenge that high adventure, they did a little bit of white water when they went kayaking. The rock climbing was a little more challenging. And um, I was a little surprised when I talked to somebody who'd gone to the moderate adventure camp and she made arrangements ahead of time. I said, What's, what was the most fun thing that you did at the moderate adventure camp? And she said, well, that was probably jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> and I was, I was mighty proud of her because I did she, that. I was shocked, honestly, that I think was really in her wheelhouse and she said it was so much fun because you start when you jump out of that plane she said your body's going stop 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 and then 
as you continue going at 250 miles an hour towards the earth, your body starts going, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> that's what, yes, I, that's, that makes sense with the excitement of the adrenaline rush. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I've talked to quite a number of people actually who have done um, blind skydiving. Hey, you have another raised hand. Okay, who have we got? Is Linda's iPad. Oh, hi, Linda. Hello. I guess I can contribute as far as adventure camp because I was at Oral Hall. I just got back from the advanced camp. And I guess my most um, scary one, which I did, was rock climbing. We climbed, we put all the gear on and we climbed up the rock. And there were, I have RP, so I can see a little bit. Some of these people could see nothing. But um, we went way up the mountain somewhere and down a trail that was really kind of scary because it wasn't too wide and there was drop-offs and we were in the middle of the woods. Um, we got to the site and they were climbing up this, well, it was probably like, 40 foot or something to the top. I don't know that anybody got to the top, but I did get my equipment on and I was able to go like 20 or 25 feet. And um, I, that was really scary for me, but I did it. And once I did it and started doing it, when you have these people that know what they're doing, I mean, it's really cool. Um, we went zip lining. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted that. <laughs> you had to go way up the steps and then you had to walk across this little rope thing and then you had to go up a tower and then you had all this equipment on and then you sort of sat down and went zooming zoom that was a bit scary as well but that was kind of cool and then we went rafting and kayaking the rafting was so cool i was in the front and it got us all wet and i paddled and i did that and the kayaking was super cool. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, an adventure camp at Oral Hall. And you probably did a lot of things you never thought that you would do. Oh, for sure. I never, that, that rock climbing thing, I was totally petrified. <laughs> but I did it. And good for you, because you really got to push yourself to do that kind of stuff. Um, I grew up very, very low vision. I was considered a, a high myo. And when I was in high school, my brother and my sister had gotten the bug for rock climbing and repelling. I don't like climbing. I've never been good at it. But repelling, I really like. If I can find a cliff that I can easily walk up to. But the, the first time you have to back yourself off of the edge of a cliff, because you're standing on the edge of a cliff, and you have to lower your rope enough that your butt and your legs are parallel with the side mm -hmm. of that clip. And then you start down. There are so many things in your, in your head that are going, this is not a good idea. I don't know if you should do this, but it's so much fun. I, I love doing it. It was, it was wonderful. Well, the repelling part coming down, once you got up there, then that's basically what we had to do coming down the rocks. That's yeah. where I, I really kind of, uh, it's a good thing I had a helmet on. I was trying to do what they said and put my legs out like you're sitting and push off. 
and I must have done something that whipped me around sideways and banged my helmet in the rock. I did oh, not get my. hurt because yeah. I had. Yeah. I, I mean, it did scratch my leg up a bit, but I had a helmet on. Um, that part was kind of a bit scary. It it, it wasn't scary till it happened. <laughs> but I told Kat that I would do it again with her. <laughs> if, if she was along, then I would do it again. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Diane, do we have any raised hands? No, ma'am. Okay, we're heading out into our last few minutes. Um, Tara, are there any things, any major takeaways that you would like us to leave with after this call today? Uh, one of the things I will say is uh, the hardest part is showing up. Um, so I think, you know, once people come to the events, you know, the first time is the hardest. And after that, you know, you have a better idea of, you know, what to expect and um, what you're going to like and whatnot. Um, I would say also as far as virtual, if people want to come in and you know, just observe and be present for a class instead of participating, that is okay too. Um, but just come as you are. And we hope that, you know, you got something out of this presentation and um, that people will want to connect and be a part of another community. And Tara, I am really, really happy NWABA stepped up because of COVID and came up with virtual programs um, because clearly from here on out, we have kind of a hybrid world where some things are going to be done in person and we have uh, access to a lot more things when we have access to virtual programs such as NWABA, which is amazing. It, it helps us for our communities. Yes, one of the things that we noticed, you know, right away was we were able to connect with athletes that maybe lived on the outskirts of the public transportation, or I mean, we have someone from New York that joins us every day. Um, so it, we can reach so many more people and so many more people can connect with each other because of virtual. So, you know, if there's one good thing that came out of the pandemic, it's that I think, you know, now we can connect with people, not even just close to us, but anywhere. Uh, and that's been a really good blessing. And, um, when we had first started virtual programs, you know, we didn't know if they would take off, if people would like them. Um, but since we had been doing them, uh, we knew we couldn't stop doing them. Um, they really became part of everybody's daily routine and uh, we couldn't imagine it any other way now. And we're just sorry we didn't do it sooner. Um, but it's a big piece of what we do. And it's something that we're continually growing and we're going to keep growing um, because, you know, the possibilities are limitless. So as long as we can keep adding classes and keep connecting with people and the more people that come, the more classes we can add. And it's, it's really exciting in that way. That is just, it's so amazing. I just, I love what you folks do. It's well, as we said before the call actually started, I'd asked Tara, does this kind of a program exist in other areas of the United States? And her response was not that she knows of it doesn't mean they're not out there, but I just think we're really fortunate. And I think we're very, very fortunate that you've gone to a virtual component. So anybody can join. 
I think that is wonderful. And Teresa, we are at about five minutes till, so okay. turn it over to you. All righty then. Well, Tara, thank you. That was a really interesting, lots of excellent information presentation. Um, everybody asked really great questions. I did not know. I found out yesterday about the um, Zoom programs and that you you know had like a monthly membership thing, if that's what you want. I was so excited. That is like the coolest thing ever. Okay. Uh, so... Um, Thank you all for coming. So not all of the Hull calls are listed in the ACB community calls. And if you want to find out what other ones there are, you need to get on our mailing list, which is once a week. It's not like it's a high traffic bombard you kind of thing. You get an email at the beginning of the week with all of the classes that are happening that way that week on that are Hull only and that are also on ACB. And the, there's only one left this week, and that is tomorrow night. We're, we're, this is the first time that we're doing this one on ACB Community Calls, and it's called First Friday Friends and Family. And our loved ones go through their own process dealing with our vision loss, and so this is to support them. And spoiler alert, my sister is going to be there <laughs> so you guys can find out what a brat I was, or not. <laughs> And then next week, um, Chat Cafe on Tuesday night, 10 uh, p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That is now an every Tuesday night thing. And our question of the day that day will be, what will you miss about summer? Summer is over for all intents and purposes. <laughs> so uh, anyway, and then there's two more. What is Legal Blindness? Done by Deb Marino. She is always very packed full of information. It's just amazing the things that she will share and teach us. And then that same day in the afternoon, Thursday afternoon, we're going to have um, um, adventures, uh, people sharing their adventures of the High Adventure Camp. And I know of a few people that are going to come on and share some really amazing stuff that they've done. So that'll be a really fun one. Okay, I found a quote by Michael Jordan, and I think this is perfect. I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. I have failed over and over and over in my life. And that is why I succeed. Okay. Michael Jordan. So you had kind of a cool uh, joke, I think, Marja. Yes, but I do want to give the number for yes. the and email and our website. Would you like me to do that, Teresa? I can do it. Okay. So the phone number is 503-668-6195. I'll say it again. It's 503 503- 668-6195 and the web address is hullparkfortheblind.org and it's H-U-L-L hullparkfortheblind.org Do you think I should do the email too? Well, they can call. Okay, so. perfect. And, yeah. and I will write up notes um, about some of the things that we talked about, how to get in contact with um, NWABA you can call the park and request notes on that. You can also call the park to sign up if you want to get our weekly Zoom emails on Mondays. And for a couple of jokes, how do swimmers clean themselves? 
they wash up on shore. <laughs> Why do dolphins only swim in salt water? Because pepper makes them sneeze. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's a second grader joke, I think. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon on a on an ACB and Hall Foundation Zoom call.